0: This week, as the political manifestos were published, I was reminded of a French 18th century physicist, Jean-Baptiste Leroy. Any of you remember him? No? He studied electricity and found ways of measuring electricity. But he's perhaps not best known for that. He's known because somebody else who had an interest in electricity wrote to him, sent him a letter, Benjamin Franklin. And the American had picked up his quill and inscribed on the paper... In this world, nothing can be said to be certain except death and taxes. As people of faith, we, of course, might want to say Franklin is wrong. He gave Leroy Duff information. There is for people who trust in God something else that we can be certain of the presence of God. death, taxis, God. they sort of have their place in this reading together from Daniel. Death will come. Kings perish. The mightiest of empires that charge people tax, that encourage their people to educate children, to care for the sick, to go into military service, to pay their tax, to pay their tax, to pay their tax again. Whatever they do, that empire will fall. Maybe not soon, but at some point, it will crumble. The third one, the one that never fails, the one that never dies, the only true certainty is God. He is eternal. And it is Daniel's boldness and faith that he is able to share this. He comes with a courage that is not given by an earthly king, but from the Lord. And he tells Arioch to set aside his orders. The second time, in a couple of days, he says, Now, don't round up the wise men. You'll remember this is what was happening last time. Don't round them up. Don't kill the men of Babylon. Don't do what the king says. And that's a brave move to the executioner. And the young man of Judah requests another audience with the king. He has this courage, not because he's a mighty soldier. He isn't but because he trusts God. He has the faith and courage of the young David, the shepherd boy who would stand up to Goliath. He has faith and courage that would go to a mountaintop, Mount Carmel, like Elijah, who built an altar, had water poured on it, and then, for fire to come. He has courage like that of Mary, who on hearing the fullness of Gabriel's message says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Daniel trusts God and he steps out in faith doing what he believes God has called him to do. It does not matter what you do for a living. It does not matter what position you find yourself in. It does not matter whether we go out to work or whether we are at home, whether we are retired, whether we're still in education. Wherever we are and wherever God has called us to be, the issue at hand is whether you trust in God and choose to do his will. And this is what Daniel chooses, to do God's will. He stands before the king. And the first words he comes out with, I wonder how much he's going to be able to say when you watch Britain's Got Talent on a Saturday night or sometime or see a show like that, the judges sometimes buzz in and say, that's it, it's over before the act is finished. You know, the singer comes out with a few daft notes and that's it. They don't get to complete the song. That's it move on. And Daniel stands there before the king and starts saying, you know, I'm, I'm just a man. I can't do this. And you sort of think, it's the king got to say, right then, off with your head? But he doesn't. He gets to carry on his speech. He gets to say, I am a mere human but I'm someone who knows God. And I'm someone who God has shared something with, something, a message that is for you. We are God's people. We are people entrusted with a message of God's love and power, his greatness And we have to have a sense of that trust, whoever we are, to be able to say something of that God, to say how he loves all people, how he is triumphant, how sins are forgiven. But we also have to say in a way that does not antagonize, a way that allows the fullness of the story to be heard, a way that others will want to listen to. So as Daniel speaks, as Daniel says, you're a great king, but you're going to die. You've got a lovely empire. You've built all this up, but it's going to come to nothing. As he says that, he has to think about what his words are and what God has told him to say. He said, Yeah, you've captured all this land. You took us prisoners. But that's coming to an end. Daniel says, in a way that Nebuchadnezzar will listen. He has been raised to power by God. He is a king of kings. He has dominion, power over people and animals and birds of the air. All of God's creation is under him. Daniel raises Nebuchadnezzar up and says, you have this power, but the power will end. And so the message is listened to. He says, yes, you've been entrusted with it. So, Daniel speaks of the rain, and that the rain might be a positive thing, that it's God's will. There's something in the message of doom for the king that is actually positive. There's something that will be remembered. Something that we should probably remember is that the things that... Daniel says about the king is something that's said to all humanity in creation. When God speaks at the beginning, he says to Adam, you know, you have the dominion. You have the care. It's your place to look after this. And Daniel's putting that message to Nebuchadnezzar. And it's a message that has to be put onto rulers time and time again. Yes, you rise to a place of power, it is a place of authority, but it has responsibilities. You look after the planet, you look after the people, you look after the animals and the birds of the air. The king hears the story for him, and he understands. He has had a time of uncertainty, of unsleep, of worry, of what his dream might have been. And uncertainty is always difficult. But when something is known, even something that might not be to our liking, then that helps us move forward. And assurance comes out of it because in some way we are able to make a plan. Now, of course, uncertainty might come from our health, or the health of those that are close to us. It might be our employment. It might be something else that's going on in our family, or something that's going on as a nation. But whatever this uncertainty is, God is present. God will be there with us on the journey. And we can trust in him. The end of Nebuchadnezzar. The falling of the golden head. And the Babylonians rule coming to an end. Is one of four kingdoms that will end. There was a common understanding in this time of the ancient east. ancient near east I should say. Um, when there was going to be, it was thought, four eras in time. And steps here reflect that. But it was thought as each era gives way, the one that comes after it is of less prosperity. The golden head gives way to the silver chest and arms. And in turn, the thighs are bronze. And then the bottom half of the leg is iron. The value of the metal is reducing each time. Each empire will have less power, less wealth. Now, that in some ways goes against the opposite of our modern post industrial age thinking, where we imagine with increasing time the value of things goes up. Life expectancy increases. There are medical advances, there is improved communication. There's readily available food supplies, at least in this country. There's greater numbers in education at higher levels. And tedious chores get replaced by machinery. If you look back on a couple of hundred years ago, our experience now whatever our wealth in this country, is quite different to what it would have been. We are a far wealthier nation. And so we look forward with hope that this will continue. But if we look forward 100 or 200 years, we must also think of global warming antibiotic-resistant bugs, the spread of international terrorism, nuclear proliferation. And then we might, with those things in our mind, have this sense of dread that the ancient Near East had for the future. Some things get better, but at the same time, there may be fears and concerns that something is constant. We have a God of hope. The four eras, starting with Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians, seems to forget that there might have been a few years before that already on one or two other eras. But calling the king the golden head that rules over all perhaps supports and gives Daniel his place. But the eras that will follow... Are not explained. Who are they? What is happening? Some take the story to be that the silver is the Medo Persian king Cyrus, which is followed by the Greeks and then the Roman Empire. This final fourth one being when the stone representing Christ, this rock which has always been present but is now carved out, seen in a new form and topples our understanding. His birth carved from the mountain but not by man represents that he would be conceived by the Holy Spirit rather than Joseph. Through his victory on the cross, through his triumph over the grave, through his taking of the rightful place at his father's side, he smashes the false god statue of past kings and is revealed to be the true king of kings. Others, reading Daniel, still recognize the rock as Christ, but understand the true smashing time as being Christ's return. His second coming will herald the the fullness of the kingdom that will come. The kings, however powerful, however rich, must give way to him. Their towers, their castles, their palaces will be but dust on the threshing room floor. And so, in two different understandings, each focusing on Christ, we can't say for sure what period of time was intended. Some might go as far to say the prophecy of clay mixed with iron is our current age. Steel-reinforced concrete springs to mind. And the tension of mixed communities that we now find ourselves within. what era, what metal, what worth, what strength is actually inconsequential. What is important is God has a plan and he will overcome and he will reign across the earth. The message for our lives, the message that we must speak to the kingship of the unbelieving world that has scary dreams that keep them up at night, is that God will prevail. He will bring an end to injustice, to sickness, to war. There will be an end to death and also an end to taxes. Whatever party wins an election in this country, or any other country, whatever monarch or president there may be in the world, whatever they choose to do, the king of kings and lord of lords will one day reign in glory. And in that day, every knee will bow. Just as the king Nebuchadnezzar lay prostrate before Daniel because he recognized who God was. Daniel was not worthy of being bowed before. but the king says the right words, your God is the God of God's. Daniel is promoted but he remembers to think of his friends who are also faithful people he has them promoted too not as a favor not as an act of nepotism not because of good meats but because he wants something more of god to come into the province of babylon Whatever you do in your daily lives, be his people and choose his way. Speak his truth. Share his love. Don't get weighed down by the inevitability of the world, the view that all there is is death and taxis. Instead, put your trust in the true thing that will last, the true thing that is constant God. With your decisions, with the words you choose, with the way you act, reveal His truth. Amen.